Welcome to our Come and See service. What is so special about today? Come and see is echoed several times in the New Testament. Philip told Nathaniel he had to meet the Messiah. Come and see, he urged his friend. The woman at the well told her fellow villagers, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. After Jesus rose from the dead, an angel invited the woman to come and see his empty tomb. Today is about showcasing what God has done in the lives of people just like you. Hearing real stories about real people with real life problems. The invitation is being extended to you today. Will you accept his invitation so that others may come and see what God has done in you? Today, you will hear about the story of Kay Lewis. You are not hidden. been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless but you have been broken your innocence stolen I was raised in a Christian home my mother has been a Christian her entire life her father was a pastor my dad's dad was a pastor so I've been around it my entire life I was raised in church and just kind of fell away I had a bad marriage and it kind of put me in a not good position mentally so I think I felt abandoned I guess <laughs> from God. After my marriage ended, um, there were some tough things I went through mentally, and I didn't turn away from God, but I just turned away from church. Um, my spirituality never changed. I still prayed. I still read the Bible. Um, and then other things got worse. Just seemed like a lot of things were getting piled on for a very long time. And, and then when I discovered I wanted to go back to church, I couldn't really find one that was um, accepting of what I do for a living or that I dress weird or I have weird colored hair. Um, I've never been a normal person, so to speak, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so when I found Christ Point, I felt very welcome there. I love the church already. I love the pastor. I loved his, the way he taught. He actually kind of reminded me of my dad's dad, my grandpa. message he gave that day was about you can't be half committed so I felt the need to go I feel like as a mentor to children in my studio I teach a lot about self um, worth and self acceptance I feel like they have a lot of pressure in the world to be this perfect person which doesn't exist. I don't have children of my own, so I feel like as a dance teacher with kids who look at me as a mentor or a second mom, 
said, I always try to do my best to give them the best advice I can offer, not only as a teacher, artist, moving them into a professional world of the arts and setting them up for that because it can be very, very cruel. I've been in that part of that world and if you don't have a backbone and a spirituality about you, that you have something to sustain you through that, then you will break. So I've had 35 kids go in the professional field and so far they've all done well. So that makes me proud. <laughs> I want to show them that it's okay to show you're a Christian and be who you are and still serve. stand across the building and would you welcome Kay Lewis as she comes to the stage please come on let's give it up for Kay how are you doing huh no you're fine amen one more time give it up for Kay let her know how much you love her and appreciate her today You may be seated. Kay, it's good to see you. You did such a great job on that video. I know that you were nervous, but you did an outstanding job. Didn't she do a great job on that video? Well, when he asked me to go to the studio and dance, I was like, oh, okay. No, say that again. I said when he said, let's go to your studio and you can dance and dance, and I was like, um, okay. <laughs> well, you did a <laughs> So great none job. of that was planned. It was just spontaneous. Spontaneous well, that's great. movement. Well, thank you for being with us, Kay. I know um, about six months ago, I asked you to share your story. You yes. came into the church office and shared your story, and it was so inspirational. And I felt, as though Pastor Brandon did too, that your story can help someone. And so uh, today, you want to share your story. Yes. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. I know that you own your own studio. Yes, I own Midwest Regional Ballet in Joplin. Okay. I've been teaching dance for 35 years. Yeah. Long time. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, you, you have no children. You're, no. you're married, right? Yes. And so, and I'm sorry that your little, your little puppy passed away last night. I know yes. that's rough. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, they're like family. And so how long had, did you have him? 16 years. 16 years. And he was actually, sorry, I'm a crier. So. No, that's all right. That's <laughs> um, right. He. That's all right. He was a gift for my dancers. That's all right. How many has pets and you view them as family? All right? That's all right. All dogs go to heaven. I don't know about cats, but dogs go. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Don't get offended. <laughs> but uh, so we're praying for you. But Thank I'm you. so glad. I know that you're kind of emotionally upset over that. But you've decided to come today. Yes. And did you bring some of your dancers with I you did. Today? A lot of them came. I'm so pleased. And so we welcome all her dancers. Some of their dancers came today. Can I have so, them stand? Yeah, you can. Stand, my children. All of the dancers, of would you children. stand? Would you give a great big God bless you to her dancers this morning? We welcome you to Christ Point. Thank you for being here. 
And so, um, Kay, you've, um, you know, all of us have a story to tell. Oh, sure. And uh, it's really amazing that when you get to know people, you, you discover that their story is, it, it can really, it has, it has a message. Yes. It can really change people's lives. And mm -hmm. so uh, there's a plethora of things that, of course, happened to you. And because yeah. of the sake of time, we can't talk about all of them. But we're going to talk about a couple things mm -hmm. that you've experienced in your life that I think is beneficial to someone today that you can speak to their life and they can also receive help and advice and healing from your story. And um, you told me that you was a part of an abusive marriage for your first marriage for 17 years. It was very Well, abusive. I got married at 17. You got married at 17, okay. Yeah. You got um, married it was, at 17. We were married 11 years. And eight of it was Okay, abusive. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. okay. All right, so you, you got married at 17 mm -hmm. and you were in that relationship for 11 years, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, he walked out on you, is that correct? Yes. Um, he it started like verbal abuse, like name calling. Um, it, it just kind of like puts you in like a mental state, like you deserve okay. to be treated that way. So it wasn't physical. It was just a lot of mental abuse. It got you, physical. It got after physical. He got into drugs and alcohol and so then he, it got really physical after that. So he emotionally, mm -hmm. physically abused you. Yeah. It's like a tear down level, like tear you down. Now you deserve this. And you're like, yeah, I kind of do deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and don't. So after 11 years, he, he, he left, left me for another woman. He left you for another woman. <laughs> um, and so as a result of that, what happened? Um, he took all of our finance. Well, he kind of tricked me into, I was a very, I was a very trusting person to trusting. Sometimes he tricked me into signing a divorce paper saying it was like, because we were going to do everything like friendly and not do lawyers because it was less expensive. And I didn't read the paperwork and it was actually the divorce paper saying I signed everything over to him. So. so when he left, he took everything. Yes. So you lost your house, you yes. lost your studio. Yes. You know, <laughs> you yes. lost it all. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, you um, decided that you just want to take your own life. Yes. And tell us about what happened about that. Well, I was mad. <laughs> um, I was mad at my stupidity. Um, I was mad at what I allowed myself to get into. And I was sitting... I'd lost everything. I was sitting in my living room and I actually had a knife against, I had been kind of cutting on my skin just to see what it felt like, how much it was gonna hurt. And I thought, well, the quicker it is, the better it's gonna be. So just as I was getting ready to actually take the knife and just slit both my wrists, or at least one, and see how that went, um, my mom called. Is your mama here, Corky? Yeah. Where is she at this morning? Thank God for praying mamas, right? <laughs> so we appreciate you, Corky. We love you. Of course, your mama has been a Christian all of her life. Her yes. daddy was a pastor. Yes, so her dad was a pastor. My dad's dad was a pastor, who you okay. remind me of. Oh. <laughs> and uh, in a good way. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, she just said, she, I wasn't going to answer the phone, but kept ringing and ringing. Back then, we didn't really have cell phones. This was like 80-something. Mm -hmm. And, well, we had them, but they were like, yeah. Um, so uh, I answered the phone, and I was like, what? And she's like, this is your mom. Um, my mom was told she would never have children. So I was the first. was the first. Well, she lost one before me. But, so I was the first viable one. And she just said God had a purpose. Oh, good. 
and God does have a purpose. And so after you got kind of got through that situation of, uh, you know, wanting to take your own life, yeah. you moved to Miami. Miami, Oklahoma. And so you opened another studio. Opened another studio, got and a job at a convenience store working graveyards. Okay. I was a, wor I am a workaholic, but, okay. well, I don't call it workaholic, yeah. but yeah, everybody else. And so as a result of that, you kind of immersed yourself into partying, mm -hmm. uh, drugs. I didn't get, I didn't do drugs. You didn't do drugs no. then, okay. Mm -mm. So you, you uh, immersed yourself in partying and you, mm -hmm. you had some close friends? Yeah, I had some friends that I hung out with and we'd go to each other's houses or play games or whatever. And I mean, I never drank till I was like out of control, but I drank. I mean, that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. And um, apparently one of the guys was a little obsessed with me, but I never got that. And so so this, he had a girlfriend, so I didn't So this individual that was obsessed with you, you mm -hmm. said that he was, he'd be watching you through your... Yeah, well, I didn't know that till after the fact, but yeah, I guess he would follow me, watch me at work, watch me at my house through windows. Yeah, so he so, was peeping on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's really obsessed with you, and so, um, make a long story short, he, he raped you. Yes, he yeah, did. He, he came to my house in the middle of the night, he had broke up with his girlfriend, he was drunk, and my aunt being killed by a drunk driver, I didn't want him out driving and drinking for fear that he would either kill himself or somebody else, and so I asked him to stay the night, and then he had broke up with his girlfriend, we would talk about it later when he was sober, and that never happened. Yeah. You know, we were talking the other day, sometimes we can be so nice as people mm -hmm. that we don't have boundaries. Yes. And so, um, you know, you didn't have any boundaries. You were just trying to be nice. And, yeah. And you went to your room, shut the door. Mm -hmm. and yeah, he was passed he, out on my sofa. You thought he was drunk, mm -hmm. you know, passed out. But mm -hmm. then he woke up in the middle of the night and... Yes, uh, and he raped me. Put his hand over your, mm -hmm. your face. and Yes. Yeah. And as a result of that, you got pregnant. Yes, but I didn't know it. Yeah, and you didn't know it, but eventually you had complications and lost it. And I had a tubule pregnancy that burst, um, and it hemorrhaged inside my chest cavity instead of out like normal people. Wow. So, wow. And I almost died from that as well. Wow. And my mom was in Tulsa at a ladies' conference, right. church conference. My dad was deaf, so we couldn't really call him. So how did you deal with all the, of course, you, 11 years you, you went through an abusive marriage physically. Mm -hmm. He abused you, and then mm -hmm. emotionally he abused mm -hmm. you. And then you've lost everything. You lost mm -hmm. your studio. You lost your home. And then now you're trying to get your life back together, and then somebody rapes you. Yeah. So how did you process this and navigate? Because you wasn't really going to church, right? You wasn't mm -hmm. really faithful. And no. You wasn't really committed. So mm -hmm. how did you process all this and navigate? through this mess that you found yourself in? Um, it's hard to, like, explain. I mean, I, like I said, I was raised a Christian, so I knew there was a plan. I knew there was a... At, at the time, I just was full of a lot of hate. Mm -hmm. Like, I hated people. Like, not people, just men. Sorry, guys. Um, I hated <laughs> the way people treated you after the fact, like, why didn't you go report it? Okay, what am I going to say? I invited him to stay at my house. So it's my word against his, and if you know any rape victims, it's hard for them to 
admit one that it happened, two that somebody's going to believe you. Yeah. So I had to just process it that eventually these lessons, life lessons, although they stunk, um, would eventually be for somebody or someone. So what would you tell someone today who has experienced an abusive marriage, they're mentally worn out, mm -hmm. or they've been raped, or mentally oppressed, what, what would your advice be to them today? Find somebody to talk to. I mean, I had my mom, but she didn't even know about the rape for, I think, two years, mom? Two or three years? Yeah. Like, I didn't tell anybody it happened. She didn't know I was in the hospital because I had an ectopic pregnancy either. She just thought something happened, and I didn't explain it, and I told the doctors not to say anything because of shame. Right. I mean, you have a lot of shame in those situations. Yeah. So finding someone that you can talk to. Find somebody you can talk to, pray about it. Mm -hmm. um, definitely, I prayed a lot. Uh, like, why is this happening? Why? Yeah. What am I doing so bad or wrong? Yeah. So. And, the, and would you suggest they need to report it? Uh, for sure, definitely yeah. report it, no matter what. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it's, and I understand that emotional crisis of reporting it, but if you don't, then I think what happened to me is I felt so guilty I didn't report it. Yeah. That, I mean, of course, the suicide thoughts come back in your head, like you're not worthy to be on this earth, so, yeah. yeah. And even today, you still face some... Uh, triggers. Triggers, <laughs> yes. emotionally mm -hmm. and mentally, feeling like you're not good enough, you yes. never reach up, and, mm -hmm. yeah, you know. Every day. Yeah. But the Lord is healing you. Yes. He's bringing you through a process. And we're so glad to have you at Christ Thank Point. You. My goodness. How, how, how did you, how did you find out about Christ Point? <laughs> um, well, I live in Galena. I was raised in Galena, obviously. And I kept dry, I would drive by the church. I went to the old Assembly of God on Main Street. Years ago. Year, yeah, yeah, years. years. Um, and this is going to sound so weird. There was something about the way the cross was kind of leaning. Like, the, the cross. On the yeah, like it's awkward. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that just tells me there's awkward people there. And they're not perfect. <laughs> it's not a perfect. <laughs> well, I've never heard that before, but we'll take it. It's well, not you, a are, you are in the arts. So I am an artist. To look at something like that, that would yeah, probably I mean, impress yeah. you. Exactly. Well, and it was red, so it kind of represented to me the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And just that, hey, I might fit in there because I'm kind of weird and awkward and, and, you've and said not you, perfect. You've said you went to other churches and they looked down on you because your hair is... Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of... They would come up to me and be like, hey, thank you for coming. It's like, oh, thanks. And I'm trying to be open. They're like, hmm. It's just that look, you know, that look. Well, we're going to take a church vote right now. How many <laughs> accepts Kay right now with her colored hair? How many accepts her? Come on. So it doesn't matter if your hair is colored or you got tattoos or what side of the fence you come from. We love people. We love people. It's all about people. You see all these Thank people, you. okay? So the next time, the next time you feel defeated and you don't feel loved and you don't feel accepted, everybody stand up. Look at all these people that love you and accept you today. Stand up. All these people that love you. Thank you. Would you stretch your hands forth to Kay? Let's pray over today.
Father, I thank you for Kay. Her love and devotion to you. Thank you that you drew her to this place. Thank you, Jesus. It wasn't by happenstance, coincidence, but it was, divine, it was by, by your divine will. And I lay my hands upon her, Lord. We've heard her story today. The abuse, the rape, the mental challenges, the feelings of, I'll never make it, I'm not worthy. Today, we thank you that you're a God that changes and transforms people's lives. And Kay stands in your presence. Although she's broken in many places in her life, she also declares by your word that she's being healed, being transformed into your image. And we declare what the Apostle Paul said. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. We bless her today in Jesus name. Now, Lord, if there are those today that's experienced abuse in their marriage, rape, mental challenges, oppression. As your head is bowed quickly, if you have faced any area in those three situations, just acknowledge this. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to acknowledge that you need healing in an area of your life. On the count of three, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need healing. One, two, three. Now, Lord, you see all these hands lifted. You see the trial. You see the situation. You see the hurt. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring healing to the hearts of people today. Bring strength to the hearts of people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yes. Thank you guys so much for letting me tell my story. Um, I actually made it through and you could hopefully understand me without crying so hard. And um, I love you all. Thank you. I love my dancers. Amen. We welcome your dancers. One more time, would you give it up for Kay as she goes to her seat? I, uh, I have something to tell you. We're going to do a baptismal service in just a moment, so everybody stay in the sanctuary. I'll dismiss you in a moment for the baptismal uh, service. Uh, but I want to say something to you before we do that, and I just want to kind of echo what Kay said a few moments ago. I have learned one thing, that God changes people. God can change anyone, and God can use anyone. I'll say that again. God can change anyone, and God can use anyone. Now that's a mouthful, but it's true. How many would raise your hand and you say, you know, it's true. God can change anyone and God can use anyone. The Bible is full of people that God has changed. History is full of people that God has changed. God can change anyone. God can use anyone. 
The Bible bears record that God uses unfortunate people, hurt people, messed up people. He anoints them for his purpose, raises them up for his glory. Oh, I'm sure you've read the Bible. There's a plethora of people that probably wouldn't have been made and named as a pastor in modern-day Christianity. But God used him. Noah, a great man, but he had a problem with drinking. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer, couldn't keep his mind focused. Jacob was a liar. Leah, let me say this respectfully. She wasn't blessed with good looks. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson, you know, he was a womanizer and had long hair. We certainly wouldn't elect him as our pastor, would we? <laughs> Rahab certainly doesn't need to be on pastoral staff. She was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, bless their hearts, they were too young to be in ministry. David had an affair and eventually committed murder. Elisha was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Y'all know that wouldn't go on nowadays, would it? <laughs> Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples had good intentions, but they had a problem with sleeping. Martha was worried about everything. Oh, the Samaritan woman, let's not forget her. She was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul, too legalistic. Too religious. He was also a murderer in his former days. Lazarus was too old. But let me remind you today that God can change anyone and God can use anyone. I'll say it again. God can change anyone and God can use anyone. The conversion of Saul, who was named Paul later in the New Testament, is one of those stories that ring in my ears today about how God can change somebody's life. Paul, you've heard of him. He is the writer of the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was anointed and appointed to be sent to the Gentiles. He was a man of faith, man of of God, but he wasn't always a man of God. He wasn't always appointed and anointed for God's purpose. As a matter of fact, the Bible says his former name was called Saul before it was called Paul. God changed his name. Why did God change his name? Because his life changed. 
Saul, his former days. Do you know what the Bible says about this man? Quickly, there's scriptures behind me. For the sake of time, you don't have to turn there, but I want you to listen to how evil this man was. The Bible says in Acts 7 and verse 58 and 59 that a young man by the name of uh, Stephen was being stoned and they stoned him at a young man's feet called Saul. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on the name of the Lord and guess who was standing there? Saul. He approved of it. He delighted in the murder of Stephen. The Bible says in Acts 8 verse 3, the Bible says this man called Saul made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging men and women and putting them in prison. This is an evil man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1, the Bible says that he's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Here is Saul, a man who is a murderer, a man who is evil, a man who did things against the scriptures, thought he was doing God a favor, a man who hated the church, a man who had people arrested and murdered. He felt as though his call in life was to stop this Jesus thing, to stop this cult called Christianity, to put a halt to it, to put a stop to it. His mission in life was to stop these Christians. He is the greatest threat to the early church. But can I remind you of something? God can change anyone and God can use anyone. God can change anyone and God can use anyone. This man by the name of Saul, his life changed. He was on his way to a city called Damascus. He was going there to kill Christians, to arrest them. And suddenly the Bible says a light from heaven came. And the Bible says in verse number four, he fell to the ground and heard a voice, Jesus's voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God can change anyone. God can use anyone. You see, God changed that man that day. He changed him. A persecutor of Christians is now a preacher. An enemy of the church is now an evangelist. The man who is an apostate is now an apostle. The man who is killing people is now calling on Jesus. Because it is true, my friends, God can change anyone and God can use anyone. This man, his life was changed. And let me remind you, my friends, that when God changes you and he changes your name from Saul to Paul and changes your life and transforms your life, there will be people that will not believe that you truly changed because all they remember is your past. There is a question mark over your integrity. Your past is a hindrance to them.
And even Saul, when he became changed, people said, I don't know about this man. I don't know if he's really changed. The Bible says in Acts 9.13, an an disciple by the name of Ananias said to the Lord, Lord, I heard many things about this man. What man? I heard what Saul did to the saints in Jerusalem. There's no way that this man is changed. There's no way that God could use this man. There's no way that a murderer is now a preacher. An enemy is now an evangelist. A persecutor is now a proclaimer. It's impossible. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 9 and verse 26, even the saints, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself, tried to join the church. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe he was a disciple. Do you know what God is saying? It doesn't matter what kind of hair you have or what tattoos you may have or what side of the fence you may be from. You can still be a disciple. You can still be a disciple. They didn't even believe this man was changed. But I've, I've come all the way from my little house to tell you that God can change anyone. God can use anyone. Sometimes we disqualify people because of what they did. We disqualify people because of their issues. We look down on people as though God can never use them. But remember what Paul said? God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He he takes those things that are weak and makes them strong. God can use anyone. God can change anyone. I don't know about you, but when I read this little book, I discovered that he still is in the changing business. You see, I want you to know something, that some of you have come today and your life is in shambles. I want to remind you that you're at the best place at the right time. The church is not made for the healthy. The church is made for the sick. And if you're sick today and you're broken and you're discouraged and you're hanging on by the thread, I've come to let you know there is hope beyond the scope of human limitations. You're at the right place. I'm telling you today that he still turns sinners into saints. He turns prodigals into preachers. He turns pagans into proclaimers. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He turns seas into highways. He turns mourning into dancing. He turns beauty. He turns ashes into beauty. He turns shame into glory. Because God can use anyone. God can change anybody. And right in this building this morning, as I look across this audience, there are people, not only in the Bible that God has changed, but there are people in this church that can testify that God still changes people and God still uses people. 
There's a young lady here this morning. There's a young lady here that grew up in the church. She got married at 20 years old. But after seven years of marriage, her husband walked out on her. She didn't know what to do. She felt broken. She felt like she had no self-worth. She felt defeated. She was living a nightmare, not knowing what to do and where to go. Her dreams being shattered until one day she decided to immerse herself into this church and she decided to serve in spite of her pain. And this church began to love her back to health and she met the man of her dreams. And she is here to testify this morning that he still turns mourning into dancing and she testifies she is restored by the grace of God this morning. She is restored. Is there anybody in the building that can testify he still restores people. He still redeems people. He still takes people from the guttermost and brings them to the highest heavens. Hallelujah. Go ahead and wave that thing. She is restored. There's another young lady here this morning who is very special to my heart because I understand her because I was there. She was raised in dysfunction, drugs, partying, intense fighting. She would move from one place to another, not knowing how to develop real relationships. She built walls in her life, not knowing what to expect, feeling insecure and broken, wanting to escape the world that she felt stuck in. Seeing other people have a wonderful family, she desired to have one of herself. But since she was a little girl, through her middle school years, she was continually molested by various people. But she, after that, she turned to drugs to cope with her pain. But in 2009, she repented of her sin, came to Christ, and felt the love that she was longing for. And for 11 years, she has testified that he gives beauty for ashes. Tiffany can raise her banner today and say that she is loved by God. She is accepted by God. No longer in her shame. No longer in her guilt. She is loved and accepted. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and testify that God can change anybody and God can use anybody? That's all right. We have other people who want to raise their banners. They're excited. Go ahead, Camille, raise your banner. <laughs> There's a young man here this morning. who grew up in a Pentecostal church, but wonderful people, godly parents. He thought everything was good until one day divorce hit his home. His mom and dad divorced. His world was rocked. He was devastated. He and his wife made a commitment that they would never divorce because they saw the pain that it caused them. He did everything in his power to live up to that commitment. He lived in everything in his power to achieve success. He went to school. He worked hard, long hours. And in doing so, he neglected his family. 
he said he wasn't a good example of what a father and a husband should be. And as a result, there was a marital failure. He didn't know what to do. Felt ashamed, felt broken, felt worthless. His wife completely devastated. But he remembered Josh Pennington preaching a revival in Humnoke, Arkansas and felt inspired to follow his ministry. In his brokenness, him and his family decided to move to Christ Point Church to Joplin to receive healing. He submitted to me as his spiritual father. They submitted both of themselves to healing and to counseling. And as a result of that, he can stand today and say that he's completely healed. He joined seminary at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. His wife is now in school, and he can testify this morning that he turns graves into gardens. He turns graves into gardens. He raises his banner today and Lewis testifies that he is redeemed. Somebody shout with him this morning. There's another young lady here this morning. She grew up in a Catholic church, went to Catholic school, became very religious, but never knew and understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. She was molested as a child, and because of that, she always felt like she was disgusted and unworthy to people. At the age of 12 years old, she tried to commit suicide because she felt so unloved and so unwanted, always feeling like she wasn't good enough. At the age of 15, she started doing drugs, hard drugs, cocaine and alcohol, got involved with the wrong people, allowed men to use her and abuse her. At 21 years old, she started working at the bar and fell deeper and deeper into drugs and alcohol. She was so messed up, she couldn't even keep a job. It got worse and worse from house to house, from this place to this place, from men to men. Eventually she got pregnant and out of her desperation after several years of that, she cried out to God at the age of 33. Even though her husband eventually left her, she found the man of her dreams, Michael, and they've been running together ever since. And she raises her banner today and testifies she's been free from drugs for 24 years. 24 years she's been free from drugs. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, thank God he still sets people free. There's another young lady here this morning who on February 27th, 2014, she was diagnosed with cancer. The doctor didn't give her much hope. She left the hospital thinking that her life was over. She thought that there's no more hope. What should I do? Where should I go? Anytime you hear the word cancer, it's not a good thing, especially when the doctors don't see much hope for you. She would sleep in the recliner for three years because of the severe pain that she had in her back. She went from doctor to doctor trying to seek a solution for the cancer that was ravishing her body. In March of 2015, she started taking chemo. She acknowledges that sometimes God uses nurses and doctors to bring physical healing to our bodies. We appreciate the medical field. We appreciate doctors and nurses who serve our community and our nation and our towns day after day. 
she realizes that they were an instrument in God's hands. And through series of years going to chemo and through therapy, the doctor recently said that her blood work looks absolutely remarkable and she has been free from cancer, free completely for seven years. Beth Stanzel can testify today that he turns bones into armies and she has new life. Can somebody wave your hand and thank God that he still brings new life? Hallelujah! Is there anybody else in the building that can testify that he can still do a miracle? I said, is there anybody in the building that can testify that he is a God that turns graves into gardens and mourning into dancing and our shame into glory? You see, some of you may think it's ridiculous for you to make all that noise in church. But you can't criticize their noise until you walk their shoes in their pain. Until you walked in molestation, until you walked in abuse, you don't know what it means to be free. And they're here to testify that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. What is the church called to do? Are we called to come and sit and sing our songs and hear sermons and sit in our circles and lick our wounds? Are we called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and bring healing to those who are sick? Hallelujah. I want this church to stand to your feet and praise God that he can use anyone and he can change anyone. Come on, somebody, if you believe that God could change anybody, God could use anybody. Now, just stand where we're at. We're not dismissed. Just give me a few moments. This is very serious. If you're here, say, preacher, I'm broken. I need Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't know what to do. You're at the right place. You're at the right time. God can change anyone. God can use anyone. God can change anyone. God can use anyone. Nobody will embarrass you. I'm just asking you, would you acknowledge that I need help? On the count of three, I'm asking you to make a bold step. Would you get out of your seat and say, I don't know what to say, preacher, but what you said touched my heart, and I want to make things right with God.